This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's up, everybody? Inside Carolina is bringing you another episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast. I'm Joey Powell. We are brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. Welcome back in. Good to see everyone. Good to be seen. Appreciate you guys joining us for another edition of the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I'm your host, Joey Powell. With me, as always, the two guys that bring you the best basketball insight in all of the free world. Cheryl McMillan, Sean Moran. Boys, how you feeling? Doing well. Looking looking forward to the season coming up shortly. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of Big Ten basketball on, on just right on the other side of that horizon, <laughs> no, buddy. And I, I, was, I know I was, you're uh, excited. I was pretty happy to see uh, uh, Jimmy Bayheim's press conference talking about the Big Ten, so that made my day. Uh, Sean, uh, if nothing else, I'm excited to get back into your aptitude for shade at the Big Ten basketball. Um, Cheryl, how you feeling, dude? I'm good. It's chilly. I'm outside doing a podcast, so it's basketball season. Yeah, man. This is, this is we're actually we're doing this. And you're on a different porch. You're not screened in now, so right. It's one of those where I, I said before we started recording, if the werewolf comes up behind you, I may or may not give you an advance warning depends on how good the thought you're going on is. So if you're in the middle of a really, really good segment, y- you might just have to go that way. Like I'm just, just putting that it. out there. Do what it takes. Do it for the people, man. We appreciate it. We appreciate you, the listener slash viewer, however you're consuming us tonight. We're thankful. Appreciate you guys being here. Remember subscribe, rate review. If you got problems with what we're saying, you don't like what we're doing. Let us know. Uh, we definitely try to be better about that. And if you do like us, definitely give us a good review. We appreciate all of the five-star love that you can give us. Guys, some news broke just as we got ready to jump on here tonight. We got the uh, the preseason awards were announced by the ACC media. And surprise, surprise, UNC is strongly, strongly represented. I'll run down some, some numbers for you. Um, Armando Baycott is your player of the year, preseason award winner. Uh, he got 82 of the 101 votes. UNC got 88 of the 101 votes because Caleb Love got four. RJ Davis got two. Um, speaking of Armando, you know, he needs just 219 rebounds to pass Tyler Hansborough for UNC's most all-time. And he needs just 12 double-doubles to pass Billy Cunningham's mark for most double-doubles in a career in Chapel Hill. Shout out to Ross Martin of Inside Carolina for that stat that he posted earlier today. Guys, also, uh, Armando gets some love being... 
uh, on the first team All ACC squad, as does Caleb Love. Getting some love on the first team All ACC squad. Armando got 100 of the 101 votes. Caleb Love got 58 of the 101 votes. That first team is rounded out by Isaiah Wong of Miami, Tarquavian Smith of NC State, and Jeremy Roach of Duke. Second team, uh, Jalen Gardner of UVA, Derek Lively, Duke freshman, highly touted freshman, uh, Mutz from Virginia Tech, uh, the kid from Clemson, P.J. Hall, and R.J. Davis also making second team. I uh, got 14 votes. Guys, all of that is nice and great, and I think we all pretty much expected that to fall for the UNC players. What I want to ask you is what in the sweet Carolina University blue Jordan hell is going on that one media member did not think Armando Baycott was in the five best players in the ACC? Sean, please rationalize that for me. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I can rationalize it. I mean, in, in case they're looking out into the future and expecting his his stats to decrease with uh, with the increased talent that is on on UNC, uh, could be could be one reason, or perhaps uh, they think it's going to be a more of a guard dominated season. I don't know, uh, but I think if you're looking at what happened. Last year, it's hard not to put him, uh, you know, it's hard to be that one person not putting him in the, the top five players for the ACC. That's two hypotheses I hadn't thought about, though. A guard-dominant league, and then also, you know, is UNC just more balanced? Sherelle, why is Armando Baycott not one of the five best players in this conference? Our uh, friend of the program, Tate Frazier, would say haters. Uh, is what his answer would be. With a capital eight, yes. Yeah, Sean gave a much more <laughs> diplomatic answer. and Thank you, Sean, for keeping us balanced. But... I mean, these. Uh, let, let's be frank. These awards don't mean much, but it is an honor to those guys. It's, it's more of a reward for what they did towards the end of the season last year. I'm taking Luke May, for example. I, I don't think anyone maybe really thought he was going to be the ACC Player of the Year, that he was named the ACC Preseason Player of the Year, but it's a reward for how well he played, you know, as a junior. Um, so I, I think let's not take too much from it, but the only rationale is, like, there's some look at me going on so that, we talked about this off air. So when mm -hmm. Baycott has a seven point game with, you know, three of 10 and four rebounds, the person can say, look at me. This is my column about why I didn't vote for Armando Baycott preseason all ACC. So it's, you know, media members, we, we like attention just like players do, just like entertainers do. There, um, there's a lot of ego involved. Um, a lot of I was right. I was wrong. So I, I think that's really all that is. It's just eventually someone will come out and get some content out of it because they can say, Hey, if you want to understand why I didn't vote for Armando Baycott, come come over and check out my blog or my Substack or yeah. my paper or whatever. Um, but again, uh, most of this stuff doesn't mean much. Shout out to the sports writer from the Butt Crack South Carolina Journal Illustrated that that had that vote. And I want everybody who's listening to remember us saying this the first time Armando doesn't drop twenty and ten when you see some random news uh, news writer on uh, social media saying, "Here's why." click and they send you that click don't eat the clickbait um but i'm sorry i had to lead i had to lead off with that because it was just so it was so mind-numbing to read that sean go ahead i was gonna say i mean to, to be fair I, I i feel the thoughts of people going into the season very rarely do they play out in reality i mean i think last year paolo Ban bancaro was preseason player of the year uh he, he obviously had a good season but Alondis Williams, who wasn't on any of the preseason lists, was the one that won the player of the year. So I feel there's, there's always going to be things that come out that nobody is expecting. Uh, 
you know, I'd be curious to see how often the preseason player of the year has actually won the, the player of the year. Uh, I feel like I should know this and I used to know it, but I don't know. That's the type of thing Shrill will look up as you and I are talking and have the answer. But, um, uh, but I think that just goes to show that, Hey, right now there's a lot of expectations on what is going to happen strictly on last year and really the end of last year where, um, you know, th- th- there could be a lot of, who knows what's to unfold. Right. So look at it as an award for the end of last season, not as a predictive type thing. Um, but again, I, you know, People are going to people, so I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to get fired up for preseason. So I, I do want to ask this. I, I do, do want to ask this, and I, <laughs> I hope you guys can, can at least help paint some context here. Can you think of a player in ACC history that has had the career progression that Armando Baycott has had that would have gotten the preseason player of the year award as a senior and then would not have made first team or something? Like, I can't think of anybody like that. I know that Garrison Brooks got preseason player of the year kind of by default in a year where seemingly everybody graduated or left the conference. Um, and in a year where, you know, COVID had a lot of things sideways. But I, I can't think of anybody that would have had the sustained growth that Baycott has had in rounding out his game and advancing, you know, different parts of his game to get a preseason player of the year that would totally fall off. Like I think Sean's example of Alondis Williams is a good one, but that's a guy like coming out of nowhere, not a dude just absolutely going in the tank unless he was injured. I mean, can anybody think of anything like that? Or, or I just, I don't, I don't see that. I think that's a good point. I, I got nothing. I agree. <laughs> Sean, is there, is there anything you can do, do to de- debunk that? Or do we, do we still think it's probably just some, uh, some media member maybe putting stock into, like you said earlier, a, a guard-oriented league, or or maybe UNC just being more balanced. Nah, I, I would put it in what Terrell said, and and probably somebody that just didn't want wanted to go go against the grain. Uh, but it did make me look up Armando Baycott's stats, and I know we, you know, just speaking on the on the state and high listing on how people can improve freshman, sophomore, junior year, but um, you know. I know he was efficient, great rebounder. I guess I didn't realize he was actually averaging eight eight rebounds a game as a as a freshman. Um, but anyway, side sidetrack on Armando. Well, okay. So all this to say, I think this gives everybody who's listening to this show it, it kind of reinforces the excitement that they've got for the season and the fact that UNC is bringing back an absolutely loaded squad. And y'all, I would be remiss if I did not mention the gold that Sports Illustrated dropped just yesterday in the recreation of the 1982 Sports Illustrated cover of Dean Smith with uh, Doherty, Jimmy Black, Worthy, and um, Brain Fart. Perkins. Perkins. Yeah, Perkins. Um, they recreated it this year with the exact same pose and now Hubert Davis almost wearing the exact same, like it's at least same color combination, but almost the exact same style suit that Dean Smith was wearing uh, with his four returning players in uh, Leaky Black, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, and Armando Baycott. If you haven't seen that, and I'm sure everybody listening to this probably has, if you haven't seen that, go seek it out. It's just, it's phenomenal, and Carolina fans will absolutely eat it up. Uh, I'm sure it will probably be coming to a wall near you sometime. But guys, all that to say, this kind of reinforces what North Carolina fans are expecting with a veteran squad that should lead things. Shrill, make the argument that uh, that R.J. Davis will have a better season than Caleb Love. Go. <laughs> Off guard. Um, yeah, Caleb Love is an off guard. That's correct. Go ahead. <laughs> I would say that the argument would be that um, 
RJ continues to progress as a lead guard, um, that he um, continues to cut down on the turnovers. They went, if, if you remember their freshman year, Davis and Love turned the ball over, it felt like, all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. And they completely got rid of that last year. So I would expect that to go down. I'd expect the assist numbers to go up um, just because the team should be more balanced. Um, the team should have a little more depth, whether or not Hubert Davis chooses to play that, we'll, we will see. Um, and then I think his three-point shot um, will continue to – his percentage will continue to improve as well. I mean, I don't think 40% is far-fetched for R.J. Davis considering the space that he's going to have uh, because of Pete Nance, because of Romano Baycott, and because of Caleb Love. You know, people um, – I, 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 I remember listening to something about football talking about gravity. I think it was – I think it was um, it was Staples. He was talking about how Josh Downs, mm-hmm. he kind of sucks people in with his gravity. And I think mm-hmm. Caleb Love is going to do a lot of that because – um, he makes so many tough shots, and then RJ is going to be a beneficiary of that. Um, you can only defend, you know, so many people at a time, or or double so many people at a time. Somebody's going to be open. I think that's one of the ways that RJ Davis has a better season is if teams decide they're going to stop Caleb Love and they're going to stop Romano Baycott. Well, RJ Davis is the leading scorer in New York State Catholic school history, so he can score. Um, and I, I think that's how he has a better season if he does. That is a very much pick your poison. A strategy that a lot of opponents in North Carolina are going to have to use this year. All right, Sean, similar question. I'm going to ask you something different. How does Caleb Love become conference player of the year or at least player of the year on this UNC roster this year? Uh, well, he continued. I mean, he this time last year, we're saying Caleb Love and RJ Davis need to make a huge leap. I mean, because mm-hmm. Caleb Love was from a percentage and efficiency standpoint was historically bad as a freshman, 27%. From three, um, you know, thirty-five percent from the field, and he made a pretty, he made a very significant jump. You know, at, at the end of the year, his his uh, efficiency numbers were definitely decreasing, uh, just barely over a hundred on offensive rating, and finished 36 percent from three. Uh, but I think a lot of what people were waiting for, uh, you know, he started to move the ball a little bit better. He was still taking a lot of shots, but I think for him, you know, because there, there was a Duke game, right, where he played fantastic, but mm-hmm. there's a Kansas game that was the complete opposite. <laughs> and there's a UCLA game where he was didn't do anything the first half and then, you know, turned it on. So he just needs to be more consistent. But I think for him, he really developed the, the range on his shot last year uh, where you felt confident when he was shooting from five feet, five feet beyond the, NBA NBA line that mm-hmm. it was going in after he proved it proved it early. Uh, I think as a freshman, his most comfortable was comfortable spot was pulling up from 15 to 17, kind of in that that range. But it's really can he get to the basket and finish? And I think we started to see, you know, the Duke games we saw that uh, the UCLA game was what got him on track was attacking the rim and and finishing uh, the Kansas game. You know, he had that attack and got blocked from behind. But I think it's really, really that. If he can improve his ability at finishing at the rim versus what we used to say, jumping off the, used to see jumping off the left foot, kind of falling back, taking a bad shot. If he can truly show that ability to score three levels consistently, that's going to be what gets his game up to the next level. And what, in my opinion, what will be needed for UNC to, you know, be a top, top team. Uh, and then finally, it was the one where I had after the Duke game was that he was hitting some of those 10 foot floaters that, 
we never seen him hit. And of course, <laughs> we saw those in Kansas that weren't falling. You know, if he's added that to the game over summer, that's great. But I think for him, it's, you know, and even in, in the Kansas game, it was like, hey, I missed a lot of shots in other games, but I, I hit the big shot. So it's going to come around at some point. And there will be those games where he needs that time to get acclimated. But, you know, he, he just has to be more consistent and show that three levels. And it could be it could be a possibility. Yeah, man. The the adage has always been shoot or shoot. I'm going to ask you a quick question. Yes or no. Does Caleb Love, if you're the coach, still have the greenest of green lights coming this year? Or do you try to get him to spread it around a little more? He has the green light, but he probably you probably have a quick quicker trigger uh, when it's not, you know, when it if he's taking bad shots is one thing, but um, if if he's going seven eight eight in a row, you know, you got Seth Trimble waiting on the on on the bench to provide a different different spark. Sherelle, you got something you want to add on there? I was going to say there is precedent for a UNC team with a dominant big man the previous year who was in the Final Four, who was an All American type kind of seeding control of the team, so to speak, um, to a lead guard the next season. And that lead guard helping propel them to the national championship. That's kind of the transition from Tyler Hansborough to Ty Lawson. Hansborough was still great that year. He was still an All-American, still All-ACC. But the team kind of went more as Caleb, Lo- or excuse me, as Taiwan Lawson went. And so there's precedent for it. It's happened before. So, um, you know, there could be a situation where the guards start to Sean's point earlier, start to take some of the control, some of the, um, some of that scoring from Baycott and, and kind of take over. Because, um, you know, junior guards, how, how many teams can say they have junior guards who have basically started every game since they've been mm-hmm. on campus? Um, not many teams can say that. Uh, so just it's happened before. You know, I don't know if it'll happen this year, but we'll, we'll see. Well, if anything, we've learned is that veteran guards will take you a long way in the NCAA tournament because we see it every year. Regardless of what's happening, the teams with vet- veteran guards usually do fairly well. And the other thing, too, and this is not um, saying anything about Roy Williams or how he did things, but the guards in Hebrew Davis system have a lot more freedom than Taiwan Lawson did back then. Yeah. So a, a I'm going to call it a takeover. For those listening, I'm doing quotations. A takeover by the guards would probably be easier in this system than it would have been back in 2009. So I also want to make sure that we mention, you know, I talked about that Sports, Sports Illustrated uh, recreation cover. You know, the one big thing missing from that 82 cover was a guy that turned out to be okay and named Mike Jordan. So I'm assuming that cover omitting Pete Nance this year means that Pete Nance is the next Michael Jordan. That's the only thing I think we can take away from that. Guys, we've talked about Pete Nance ad nauseum here. I'm assuming we're going to talk to him more. But based on the clips that we've been able to see from UNC, I want to ask you about those, but also talking to players around the program, do we feel like Nance is, is kind of fitting in and doing exactly what uh, what the coaches wanted him to do, Shrill. Yeah, so uh, something we left out of the James Brown interview, which I guess we'll talk about him a little bit later, but his dad was talking about watching practice, and he said one of the things that blew his mind was that there's uh, uh, Pete Nance out there at 6'10", you know, very tall and lanky, just hitting three after three. He, he was like, I didn't count how many it was, but he did, just didn't miss. He said, so you're not supposed to see a guy that tall, um, with that kind of skill shooting threes like he does. So there's that. Um, I, you know, Obviously, we've talked about he's not a Brady Manic replacement, but he can shoot. He Probably not the shooter that Manic is. Not many people are, but he has that going for him. And then another thing, in talking to recruits who have watched practice, 
they all come back talking about how locked in the team is together. Um, they talk about how there's um, a mutual respect between Hubert Davis and the team. Um, and I think Nance is a big part of that. If you watch the clips that they've released, you kind of see him talking all the time. You've heard Caleb Love and RJ Davis talk about how he communicates very well on the court, defensively, offensively. And then um, Hubert Davis, uh, in his comments, has talked about playing Baycott and Nance together all the time so they can develop chemistry. And I don't think you do that unless you really have faith that that person is not going to come in and kind of bother things as they were and only enhance them. So I, it seems like he's been a perfect fit. Sean, can you underestimate what it means to bring a player that has four years of, I know you'll scoff at calling Big Ten basketball, you know, high major college basketball, but can you understate having four years of that under your belt and then walking in to a team as talented as North Carolina uh, with the momentum that North Carolina has and seemingly so far, again, it's October, but seemingly plugging in perfectly. Can, can you underplay that at all? Well, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as that on the on the Big Ten, but I think having that experience, especially in the last two years, uh, will, will pay dividends. I think also he knows he's coming from a team that didn't make didn't make the tournament, um, so it, he kind of has something to prove that both to in, to North Carolina as well as everybody else that hey, he can play at that type of level versus being maybe the best guy or best one or two on on a mediocre team but I, but I think it also comes down to the personality which I, I think is one of the things we talked about a lot before he committed and then afterwards is here's a guy that can blend in um, and and yeah he's not going to be a manic replacement but he, he offers that shooting ability uh, I mean he's talkative but not uh, kind of demonstrative in an egotistical way versus maybe some other guys that had come in and now you're disrupting a team that uh, where chemistry is going to be extremely important. So I think the playing at, at that level, you know, versus a, a mid-major is, is going to be huge. Having the offensive skill set uh, that, that he does in terms of where, what UNC is missing from, from last year. And then also just the the personality standpoint to be able to fit in versus trying to stand out. It would also be interesting to see after last year the way UNC kind of didn't really have a great start uh, integrating Brady Manick. I think it's also part of the the way Hubert Davis was insisting on running secondary early in the season. It'll be interesting to see if UNC can integrate Nance in or if he has a little more seamless transition than, than Manick did. All right, guys, last thing before we take a quick break. Um, what were you going to say, Sean? I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say a little, little more challenging when you had two players at the – same position, same position. Um, <laughs> with very different different attitudes. So hopefully with with one, it can be a little more a little more seamless. Plus, everybody else has a better understanding of how they can contribute and what they need to do as well. Also correct. Uh, so there was other piece of news that came out uh, this week before we recorded the show that we want to make sure we talk about. North Carolina got the preseason APP number one ranking. APP. APP? You down with APP? North Carolina got the number one preseason AP ranking. And Sherelle, I'll come to you first. How does having that marker, that target, that kind of hunted mantra on their back change the way this team approaches games? I don't think it changes it a ton. Um, so a couple of things. One, you know, the great Roy Williams always used to say that he'd rather have his teams be, you know, people think highly of his team than no one care. So I think that's always important. 
Um, but this team, they've seen uh, the highs. They know what it takes to kind of get back. They've seen what happens when you win and what you get when you win. So I don't think Hubert Davis will really have to get on him about reading press clippings or anything like that because they've had a long time to kind of soak in that. And I think they realize that um, now's the time to, to start work because, you know, the work for March and April starts now or started September uh, 26th or whenever they started practice. Um, so I don't think he'll have to worry about that. I think they'll be pretty dialed in, honestly. I, I'm expecting a lot. Um, and the the reason for that is just when you come up that short as a competitor, like you talk about um, how those guys rallied after the Villanova game and everything they did was about, you know, got to get back, got to get back. You think about uh, the 2005 team, some of the classic stories that have come out about, hey, you know, we're all coming back for one last ride. Let's get this done. I think that kind of spirit has been um, uh, permeating the Smith Center over the last few months. And I, I think you'll see it when games start because, again, they know what's at stake and they're not shying away from it either. At media days, at uh, live action, they all talked about that being the ultimate goal. Usually when people aren't ready for it or scared for it, they're like, oh, no, you know, if we make it to the Sweet 16, <laughs> hopefully it'll be a great year. But they're, they're all like, we want to go to Houston. We want to go to Houston. So I think that speaks to kind of where they are, where they are, where their confidence is. Sean, I'll ask you a similar question. Uh, Hubert Davis's squad obviously found their rhythm when they stopped insisting on using the uh, secondary break last year. Um, and that those are his words. He said that a lot during ACC media days. Do you think he tries to go back to it a little more now that he's got, um, you know, Pete Nance, who is more of a, a big playing the the five four, the four five? Or do you think he kind of sticks with where things were and tries to get Nance to integrate that way? Uh, good, really good question. Um, not something I've I've given a lot of thought to, but I, I could see. I don't know. I'm kind of flip flopping in my head um, as as I go back and forth, but I, I think probably try. You know, it'll be I think integrated a little bit, but I think knowing what worked well for the team and knowing Nance of trying to integrate him more into what was successful. For the team um, at the latter latter part of the year, um, I, I think is probably what what we'll see with a little bit of the secondary break mixed mixed in as well. Well, I, I integrating things is important this time of year because I've integrated a sweatshirt into my wardrobe as it was uh, supposed to be down to the 30s tonight in Central North Carolina. Sherelle's also wearing a hoodie. Sean, you're inside wearing a polo because you live in California and nobody likes you. Um, but <laughs> if you need to get hoodies, Johnny T-shirts your spot. They will help you integrate your wardrobe from summer to fall with the quickness. Uh, I was actually on the site last night, knowing that we were going to record today. Got a lot of new fall stuff. I'm a big fan of the quarter zip, and man, they got quarter zips galore. If you're a fan of the quarter zip of any brand, they can probably get it for you. If they don't have it, most likely they have it on their website. But Johnny T-shirt, the friends of integrating your wardrobe and helping you make that switch over from you know the very very summary lighter gear to starting to thicken up and being able to layer johnny t-shirt.com inside carolina premium subscribers get an extra 10 percent off the top of their already great prices or if you're going to be in for homecoming against pittsburgh eight o'clock kick you've got all day to go to johnny t-shirt Cheryl, i'm figured you'll probably go to johnny t-shirt that day at least twice um so johnny t-shirt east franklin street in chapel hill Go in and see them. We appreciate them. Locally owned, uh, alumni operated, just such great people. They've been supporting Inside Carolina for years. They love our content. We want you to love them. Pretty simple. 
Uh, take a quick break. Let the national guys drop some of their advertisements in here. We'll be right back in just one second here on the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back, Coast to Coast still with you. We did drop a podcast earlier this week, an emergency version, giving you the update of Zayden High committing to University of North Carolina and Hubert Davis. Got to see him play a little bit later that night, but let's talk a little bit more recruiting stuff. We can give you a, a proper recruiting rundown here. Uh, since we last spoke and had a, you know, like I said, a proper Coast to Coast podcast, UNC hosted two official visitors, uh, Elliot Cadeau, uh, two weeks ago, and then James Brown got up off that thing and came to Chapel Hill. Sherelle, tell us a little bit about uh, both of these players. If you want to split them up, we can do that. Uh, or if you'd like to just kind of give some some feedback from each one, that'll be great. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll maybe take a 2024 total reset of, of who's got offers on the board. Just Lord help us if UNC gets a commitment from James Brown, because then we'll have Zayden High and James Brown, and the jokes will just never Look, stop. Look, man, I, I am so. I am fully embracing the possibilities of my dad joke Hall of Fame ballot <laughs> being cemented over the next couple of years if that happens. Go it'll ahead. It'll be it'll be every game, but uh, yeah. So James Brown, he is a six nine, six ten ish, um, forward slash center. I would call him from Chicago. He goes to uh, Saint Rita in Chicago, a really good school that has a bunch of high major players. And has produced a bunch of high major players over the years. Uh, he came down with his parents, um, and they spent. I think they got there Friday evening, and they spent a couple of days there. They have a pretty good rundown. Um, if you want to check it out on the premium board of the visit, but I guess the impressions we could share is just that um, they really valued the North Carolina basketball program and its history. Uh, going to the basketball museum that UNC has was something that uh, Brown's father, Courtney, really, really appreciated, and. He learned some things, and um, I think that kind of helped him understand how big basketball is at North Carolina. Uh, he talked about going into the Smith Center, seeing all the banners, and just kind of having a, a surreal moment that, you know, the coach of North Carolina is offering his kid a scholarship and wanting him to come to UNC. He said that was surreal for him. Uh, for Brown himself, uh, the big takeaway is that he felt like he really fit in with the team, um, that they kind of had some instant chemistry. Um, and then he really liked the Jordan uh, photo shoot, uh, putting on every different Jordan and all the Carolina uniforms <laughs> and all the different permutations of those things. So um, that's that's kind of things I would point out. Uh, I think it obviously official visits at UNT almost always go well. Um, and so he's in the middle of a I think it's four visits in four weeks. So he was at Missouri two weeks ago, Michigan State, or excuse me, Missouri three weeks ago, Michigan State two weeks ago. UNC this past weekend, 
He's scheduled to be at Notre Dame this coming weekend and then the first weekend in November at Illinois. And um, we're not sure what's going to happen after that. He said basically that he'll, he'll kind of see and reevaluate things after um, he finishes that Illinois visit. I do think Illinois um, is up there. I think that's tough competition for UNC. A lot of advantages that Illinois has. They have um, his AAU organization, Mean Streets, which is the one that Jalen Washington also played for. Um, has one of uh, the program director, the former program director is an assistant coach at Illinois now. They also have one of his former high school teammates uh, who's there and recruiting hard. And, you know, it is the hometown school. So there's something to be said for that too. Oh, I won't say hometown, home state school. So there's something to be said for that as well. So um, that's the five official visits, uh, Missouri, Michigan State, UNC, Notre Dame, Illinois. Um, I think other schools are still in the mix, but we'll see kind of what happens after that Illinois visit. Sean, I'll come to you a little bit about Brown's game. You did get to see him out in KC. You know, what are your impressions about him? I mean, he's, I think he's ranked the number one player in the state, uh, according to 24-7. What are your initial thoughts on his game, and, and where do you think he uh, he probably lands as far as early playing time, regardless of where he commits to? Yeah, well, he's, he's the first uh, true big that was offered uh, by UNC in the, in the 2024 class. Uh, and, and I did enjoy watching him in, in Kansas City, uh, as well as some of the video video afterwards. But I, I think he's a guy that he knows he's a big, but at the same time, you know, he can handle the ball a little bit in terms of pushing the ball, ball up the court, uh, can, can finish left hand, right hand, uh, you know, can, can do it very well uh, right, right around the basket with, with either hand uh, and can step out, I'd say, about 12 to 15 feet. Um, and he, he plays he plays really hard um and at the same time has a good passing ability and is probably a guy that would be in school for a few years um so i think what we've we've talked about those guys and if you can get them at the at the end of the day is going to be a lot better than a, a one and done for the, for the most part um so in terms of i think when it comes to big men at, at unc after Armando, there's going to be question marks unless any you know grad transfers are brought in. Those could easily be answered in a year, but as of right now, there's we don't know how Washington's injury history is going to be or how Shaver adapts to the level or Zayden High. You know how does his shooting or is he trying to be more of the big four or the five? So there are a lot of question marks, and I think Brown would definitely come in as a solid option that. Maybe he's not starting from day one, but he's going to be competing for for playing time from that day one, and will only continue to to grow um, over the net, over the sophomore junior season. All right, appreciate the wrap up there, Shirley. You can talk a little bit about uh, Elliot Cadeau came in the week before. Yeah, so a little bit, I guess, breaking news. By the time you listen to this, uh, we confirmed that uh, Hubert Davis and assistant Brad Frederick are heading to Missouri to link prep to uh, see Cadeau on uh today's monday so today's tuesday so that'd be wednesday <laughs> on wednesday when this is live um so yeah that's another visit i think that's hubert davis's second trip to link prep um i think the assistants have been there a couple other times we were not able to track them as closely but they're definitely uh, paying a ton of attention to cadeau and you know the visit two weeks ago again when north carolina gets you on campus they are really good at official visits the university kind of sells itself um i think some of the things that caught his attention, again, you can go back and, and read our recap with him um, from after the visit uh, on the premium board. The things that got him, I think UNC showed him clips of, of former Carolina point guards um, and just what they were able to do. And then Hubert Davis showed him a lot of 
RJ Davis and Caleb Love and how um, both are kind of point guards and, and both have the freedom to do some of the things that uh, they want to do in this offense. Um, and RJ Davis was his host. And that was a big message from RJ Davis is that, you know, not I can do what I want, but <laughs> I'm able to do a lot of things uh, that, that Coach Davis allows because he, he trusts me. And uh, a big thing for Cadeau is going where he's wanted. And I think the more attention that UNC can continue to show with these trips and um, visits and all, all that good stuff, I, I think the better. Um, as far as a timeline for him, he has an official visit set for Louisville. Um, I think he'll be there on Friday. And then after that, I don't think anything's set up yet, though he's talking to a, a few other schools. And he basically said he's looking to, um, after his visits are, are done, he, he probably would have an idea, but make a decision slash announcement before AAU season starts. And that uh, this year, there's a schedule change. Uh, AAU season um, begins in late April. Um, but a lot of teams play small tournaments, but like the big shoe companies, mm -hmm. uh, the live periods are in late April. So um, tracking right now is a spring decision. And he also still has kind of a, a reclass thing in his back pocket if he wants. Uh, he's saying that he wants to stay in 2024, but if a spot opens up at a school he likes or, or something happens, then he does have the option to reclass into 23. Uh, Sean, I'll ask you the same question. By the way, Sherelle, I got to say, I love when you guys are able to get quotes from the parents. Uh, not because I feel like it's telling about where they're going to go, but I just think it just gives a, a lot of different flavor uh, from you know what they're seeing and how they're experiencing things. And I probably didn't appreciate that as much before I had my own kids. So love when you guys are able to talk to the parents. Um, Sean, speaking of, of Cadeau's potential reclass, do you see a kid like that? And again, not judging his talent at all, but just kind of looking at his size and where he might fit. Do you think a kid like that, that reclasses a year early would still be looking at as much playing time if he does kind of move things forward a year? Normally, normally no, but I, I think with him, we've, we've talked about the, the age, uh, especially with, with him and, and Boogie Flan. I mean, I think age wise and physically, physicality he's, he's not going to be growing that much you know strength wise well probably still a little bit strength wise but not not height wise most likely so i think he's more of a it would be easier for him to make that jump uh versus versus somebody somebody else um so i wouldn't be as concerned with him on on that um but i think it you know just it is something to monitor it was something you know we have brought up in the summer on this situation, uh, the Ian, Ian Jackson as well. And, and I think it's going to be something that we're going to, it's not going to be these one-off situations. I think it's going to be, we're going to have to continue to, to monitor it, especially if somebody is, is older and has that, that opportunity. Uh, and, and then it goes to what are, what are UNC's needs in terms of, of, a, of, a, of position, um, knowing that Seth Trimble, will potentially be going into his sophomore year. I mean, once again, maybe he explodes and people love his athleticism and he's, he's one and done. That hasn't normally been how it has been at UNC, but once again, there's a lot of, it's a lot harder to predict how rosters are going to look, look, uh, you know, one to two years out now than they, than they used to be. Let me ask you a little different question. If these guys do reclass, do you think reclassing becomes so much more popular that guys will start playing a year up? And, and like, do you think that'll become more more prevalent in in the AAU circuit? Yeah, um, I mean, I I do think it'll 
you know, especially as we see the rules continue to change and what the NBA is looking for. Um, I, I think, I, I think it could, could become more, more popular, uh, you know, especially what we saw this summer of people trying to get to the NBA sooner. But once again, we, we've seen a lot of, a lot of times where they want to get in early and they're, they're not, they're not ready. I mean, it's, it's still a huge, huge jump, no matter what level of high school you're playing on to, to college. I mean, especially at the, at the guard spot, uh, where, where it's certainly no slam dunk when they do come in. So I, I think, you know, it has to be the right level of talent, right, right situation. But I, I do think it'll, to your point, start to be a, maybe more of a trend on the AAU circuit, which then goes to the high school and college, college levels. Cheryl, you want to add, add in something right there? It was basically that point is Cadeau is very aware of, uh, especially the point guard position, guys who reclass and it just does not go well. Mm-hmm. Um, guys who are ranked some, he's the number one point guard. There, there's been other point guards who were number one in their class, <laughs> reclass, and their career just never took off. You know, I think. Christian um, Lander. Yeah, I wasn't going to say any names, but you brought it up. <laughs> you know, um, that's a great example of someone who he's he's a similar size. He's not a a, a big guy, not a super athlete, and it just. Um, for whatever reason, after the reclass, it just didn't work out for him. And he's at a different school now. Um, so Cadeau said he's very aware of that. And he doesn't want to um, kind of, you know, start off on the bad foot of his career by reclassing and and maybe stunning his growth. So I think that is a, a positive for UNC, who is definitely recruiting him in 2024. All right, boys. Um, appreciate the resets there. Why don't we take kind of a step back and let's get a little wider angle lens on the 2024 class as a whole. Cheryl, do you kind of do you want to reset that maybe and say, you know, if you could say right now which guys that UNC has offered are are closest to uh, kind of ending their recruitment, regardless of whether it's towards UNC at all? I think what they got eight or nine offers out right now. Yeah, so let, let's call it active active offers. So the okay. active offers are Elliot Cadeau, um, Boogie Flan, um, Ian Johnson, Trenton Flowers, James Brown, and Jaron Stevenson. I would call those the the active ones at the moment. Um, we'll see if they look in different directions, especially at the lead guard spot, um, once they get a better feel for what might happen with Flan and Cadeau. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's where they are right now. And um, of those, it's hard to say because you know Jaron Stevenson, he's been on Carolina's campus a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that he does like UNC, but he wants to go through this process and kind of see where he stands and see what other schools have to offer. So, you know, that's one where you could pop up on a, on a random Tuesday in November and he's just like, you know what, I'm done. And he could commit to a school or it's one that could drag out. I don't want to say drag out one that could extend into next summer, uh, frankly. So we'll see there. I, I've had to guess, I would probably say Brown. Um, he, he talked about once that Illinois visit is over, how he was going to reevaluate, but he wouldn't be able to take an official visit again until August 1st of next year. And that's a long time, especially as other players develop and spots start to get filled up. Um, I feel like when you take that an aggressive, uh, that aggressive scheduling of junior year official visits in the fall, then I think you maybe are closer than maybe you're letting on. That's just kind of my guess. That's not based on a report or anything. That's just kind of me trying to read the tea leaves. So I would say of those, I think probably, Brown is the closest, and I think Boogie is probably the farthest away. All right. Well, that's a good synopsis, and kind of hopefully, hopefully, we'll give our listeners and our viewers a little bit of an idea of, of you know an overall timeline. Sean, the last question I want to ask before we get out of here tonight: 
looking at who, and again, let's let's use Sherelle's guide here. Looking at who North Carolina has active offers to, right? Um, ones that we will still consider to be to have a shelf life. Um, can you get a sense of of what uh, Hubert Davis is prioritizing here? I know you've always liked to say, you know, it's he's he's recruiting shooters here, but I'm trying to look at this whole class and I see a lot of diversity. I see a lot of different skill sets. Which of these, if you want to, uh, can you prioritize as what North Carolina is going to need the most, knowing what we know about what the roster may look like right now? And I know that's a big hypothetical, but I think it's something our listeners may want to understand about about this class. I mean, I think for this class, you, you look at Jaron Stevenson being offered around this time last year, and then it was a good four or five months until Cam Scott was offered, and then kind of the floodgates started to open. Uh, you know, I think you can go Stevenson as a, a 4-3, but, what, you know, and then, then we had the questions, are they going to look at a big? That was answered with James Brown. Are they going to look at a point guard? And then that was offered, you know, answered with, uh, Cadeau and and Boogie, but but I think we talked about 2023. It's only a two man two man class, uh, and, and how much emphasis has been put on 2024. And I think it needs to be a three to four person class because at that point in time, um, your your big men currently question mark. So you know they'll they'll be there'll be a handful of them, but at what levels the question mark and then. If Seth Trimble is here, that alleviates some of the necessity for mm-hmm. a guard, but you're going to have to make that transition. Uh, and if he's not here, then maybe you have a young Wiltshire or whoever it may, you know, whatever it may be. So, you know, I think they're all priorities. As I say that, the, the point guard could be more of a priority given what could transpire. But I think right now you're looking at it. You have Drake Powell. So there's, there's your wing spot. I always thought they might get two, but been noted drake drake is the guy but if you're looking at a three to four person class uh really every every position or versatility has to be considered all right fellas been a good show we got a lot out there we've talked about a lot we talked about everything from uh this year's team uh preseason postseason you name it we've talked about you know guys transferring in what kind of style hubert might try to employ to bring guys up to speed we've talked about official visits we've talked about the 2024 recruiting class we put a lot on the table is there anything that you guys want to add two cents time before we get out of here Sherelle? i've got two pennies uh two pennies so, throw them at me right in so the fountain i'm gonna say the super soft the secret scrimmage is on saturday we can saturday. say that we're, we're not part of the official it's secret we're not part of, oh it's okay secret. that's what i'm talking All right, about. listen okay so look <laughs> you can say it on this show but anybody listening to the show cannot say it to anybody else. There you go. All right. If you're there listening you or watching the show, you can't tell anybody because then you ruin the secret. All yeah. Right? So uh, secret scrimmage, which is basically a, a scrimmage that no one can talk about, even though everybody talks about it, is this Saturday. Uh, Rutgers is coming to Chapel Hill. Uh, we were able to confirm that. Uh, we'll do our best afterwards to get some stats. People won't tell us anything. They'll probably tell Jeff Goodman. So. Um, there's that. Not salty at all. Uh, Man, that was then, an awesome, awesome side eye from you right and, there. I love that. And then Boogie Flan, uh, his official visit was rescheduled, and he'll be here October 28th. Obviously, UNC has a big night game on the 29th, so that'll be a pretty good weekend for him to be in town, all things considered. Um, his visit got delayed because of Hurricane Ian. I'll have a chance to do his uh, – he'll have a chance to, to take in his first UNC homecoming, which will be nice to see. And like you said, football game at 8, that never hurts. Sean. Fishing game that night, too. Yep. 
Sean, you have a you have two pennies you'd like to throw at us. Well, I think the 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 one penny is that it is very nice to be having these discussions after the last few years of UNC being you know on Sports Illustrated number one or being in that top you know as a as a top team. Especially it was really a, a long <laughs> two and a half plus <laughs> plus years of of you know not 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 going through that. So Sean, who hurt you? Um, who, who hurt you, Sean? <laughs> you like you, you seem like you're struggling, man. <laughs> I'm glad to have um, you back. <laughs> well, um, going well, going into her hurt, who hurt me? I mean, you know, <laughs> it was the it was the emergence of the one and only Leaky Black. Uh, the lat, you know, after the uh, I think the the Virginia Tech home game, in terms of starting to be that player that everybody had anticipated, and mm-hmm. I I still do think he is um, going to be. <sighs> I think he's, he he will be in terms of his development. I think will still be the one of the main will will be the main thing uh, in terms of how far does this team go? Because uh, he did turn into such a defensive stopper, uh, whether it's putting him on Kehi Clark or a top wing. So you you have that right off the bat. But once again, offensively, we saw it in the Final Four where teams would or UCLA, you know, continue to play the safety um, mm-hmm. on on other players and you know, almost let him, let him shoot, which he did. And if he's able to even just shoot consistently, we don't need it to be 40%, but if he can just shoot consistently, that is going to make it a whole lot easier for everybody else on the team. Be a threat. Just be a threat. I think, uh, I think that's a, that's an awesome point. I would also like to point out if anybody has seen the new NIL deal that Leaky has with a, a plumbing company, the commercial he did, um, the commercial he did that was kind of a pseudo press conference. Go seek that out. It's actually high quality entertainment. Um, anything else, Sean, before we get out of here? Nope. All right. All good. Well, fellas, I appreciate you as always. Love what you bring to this show. The show does not exist without you. So we're big time thankful for you guys. Uh, as always, appreciate the insight. Those of you listening, I'm glad you're here too. Glad we gave you a proper show after having the emergencies aid and high recruitment commitment show we'll be back again in a couple of weeks and who knows once the season gets started we might even start doing this weekly again but for Cheryl mcmillan for sean moran thanks to johnny t-shirt thanks to john siegley for producing i'm just joey powell we'll catch you guys next time on the coast to coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. late hello everyone it's michael richards here You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.